player is not online. Okay. Yeah, how do I accept it? How the fuck do you accept it? <clears throat> Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I'm your host, William Boo, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, did you know that if you run for 75 minutes a week, you cut your all-purpose, uh, all-cause mortality <laughs> rate by 30%? <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Hands, hands down, your absolute worst one of them. Oh, that's incredible. I learned that this week at the doctor's, Phil. That if you I've been run very for Ill. 75 minutes a per week, week mm-hmm. you... Cut your mortality rate by what? All cause mortality rate. All cause 30%. mortality rate. 30%. All cause. Are you worried about your liver? Yes. You worried about your spine? Yes. Doesn't matter. Terrified. Run 30% less likely to die from it. <laughs> um, that's news you can use, which is what we do here at Maybe <laughs> Next Time. We are your weekly podcast on all things Nets Nation. Simon, tell the people... What we're going to bring. We have a very special show for you all today. What are we doing? Today, we are going to be talking with uh, legendary uh, and truly wonderful um, columnist and podcast host for WFAN uh, on, the, on the Nets, uh, Steve Lichtenstein. You can find him at uh, WFAN, where he writes columns about the Nets, Jets, and uh, Devils. And also has the uh, very good City Game podcast um, that comes out about once a week. Yeah, I'd say if this cast doesn't get bleak and cynical enough for you, <laughs> Steve Lickenstein's cast is a great place to find that Nets cynicism. Um so we are going to cut to that interview. We suspect, though, have no way of knowing. Um, we suspect it'll be a good one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have lined up some hard-hitting questions for our man, Steve. And uh, you'll get that, and then we'll come back to you post-interview to talk about the latest news in Nets Nation. We are on... Our first win streak of the season, two games? I think we did that once before. Okay, maybe potentially our second win streak of the season. Uh, That tends to happen when you play teams as truly awful as the last two teams we have played. Um, The Hornets and Kangs make the the Nets seem like the super team everyone thought the Nets might be. Um, Let's hope that that lasts against the Knicks and uh, I think we play the Cavs. Cavs, So this streak could go to four games. Um, I'm sure having said that, it'll... immediately in Madison Square Garden. But, uh, you know, hope springs eternal. So, hope you enjoy our interview with Steve Lichtenstein, and we will be back after that. Okay, here we are with WFAN's Steve Lichtenstein. You can find him 
uh, on WFAN, where he has a uh, regular column on the Nets. Um, he also covers the Jets and the Devils. Um, and you can also listen to his City Game podcast, uh, which comes out about every once a week with a great new intro. Uh, and same great uh, commentary from Steve, and he always has special guests uh, as well. And you can also follow him on uh, Twitter at Steve uh, L I C H T E N S T one, where he has you know tons of takes, often in-game takes and stats, and um, definitely a good follow on Twitter. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us on Maybe Next Time. Well, thank you very much for having me. Very nice intro. This is uh, becoming, I guess, an annual tradition, so thanks again for coming. Always always love coming on with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simon, you want to hit with the first? Sure. So, um, Steve, last time you were on, we were basically celebrating the Nets were 6-7. and seven. Now, I think... Uh, at least speaking for me, we're at best trepidatious uh, about the Nets at 7-8. and eight. Uh, What is your biggest worry about the Nets? Well, I think the biggest worry right now is health. Uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, the shoulder impingement. He's not playing the next three games, all on the road. Karis LeVert out. A good number of weeks to go. I last time I saw him, he was still wrapped. I understand uh, the thumb wrap came off right after, but he's still a ways away. Uh, Kevin Durant, you know that's that's going to be the final piece whenever he's ready. Uh, until until that time, you know the Nets will be you know right around the 500 mark. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Steve, part of the package of getting Kyrie and KD was picking up DeAndre Jordan, who, um, to put it generously, has had on-off numbers that would give one pause. Uh, How do you see him fitting in the rest of this season? Do you think it's just a slow start for him? Uh, and, And then beyond, we have him for four years. What do you think about the DJ situation? Well, I wouldn't worry about so much the the beyond part. I think, you know, this year is certainly a concern. Uh, I don't quite get why why Jared Allen is playing uh, not as many minutes as I believe he should. I kind of uh, agree with you that DeAndre Jordan's effort at times uh, is lacking, and that's, you know, that's not a good look. You know, what I said in my last podcast, you know, can complain about Ed Davis's limitations, but that guy got after it every play. It was a great role model, role model for Jared Allen. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know, he does a lot of things very, very well. And I'm not just talking about dunking. You know, he he's probably their best screen setter and he's a terrific passer out of the high post. As a matter of fact, I think. You know, instead of having, you know, Garrett Temple or Amon Shumpert go one-on-one with that awful bench unit to give the ball on DeAndre and just let him find somebody for, a, you know, a cutter, a cutter for a layup. But you're absolutely right. The numbers that uh, he has put forth, uh, the on-off numbers, are, are atrocious. Some of that, again, could be that he's playing a lot with guys, you know, who aren't scorers. So... You know, it's still a little too early to say that's going to be uh, the norm for the whole season. 
but I, you know, from what I've seen, Jared Allen has been far much better, uh, and should be playing a lot more. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I also saw in a, in a Zach Harper article, the, um, numbers, uh, with Kyrie, Karras, um, Joe Harris and Prince, and then interchanging Allen and Jordan. And with Allen, it was about zero. And with Jordan, it was like negative 23 um, per, per 100 possessions or something like that. So even with a better unit, I feel like he's putting up really bad numbers. Yeah, but that's probably in very small sample size. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. You know, there were a couple of games where... The whole team was off. That could have included like the Phoenix game where Jared Allen had foul trouble and the whole team was just awful. Um, you know, you know, at this point of the season, one lousy game can skew it a lot, but I agree that, you know, a lot of what he has, uh, a lot of his performances this season have left the, you know, a lot to be desired. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, uh, potentially bad role models. Um, I'm curious what you think about all of the Kyrie um, stuff about his moods, about his um, Stephen oh, that's A. That's just nonsense. That's just people looking to put Kyrie Irving, you know, either on their on on TV or in their lead. He has, by every indication, and you could see him, you know, you know, while while he's been injured on the bench. He's into the Nets. He's been a Nets fan, you know, since his entire life. And he, this is where he chose to be. And he's playing with people that he wants to play with. You know, whether it's, you know, Karis LeVert or Kevin Durant or DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince, Garrett Temple, Iman Shumpert now. So I, I don't buy, you know, if. If someone has a bad day, are they not allowed to have – is Kyrie Irving not allowed to have a bad day because he's Kyrie Irving? I mean, nobody ever says LeBron James is moody. He, you ever see him? He he looks like the moodiest guy in the league. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. I think that there's a sort of a narrative about Kyrie Irving out there that, that uh, people are looking for reasons to – to call out things like moodiness, which is a very, very, you know, it's part of being a human being. Um, that said, uh, as someone who has quite a bit more access than either Simon or I, do you have any idea uh, or, or are people in the organization talking about who talked to Jackie Mack about uh, that story? Because I, I feel like it's pretty rare that something um, that Sean Marks doesn't want said get said to the media and I don't think Jackie Mack would have reported on that had some people inside the organization not said something about Kyrie um, are they talking about that do you have any insight into that um, why, why I don't have any talking? insight and I don't think it's I don't think anyone is really caring about it they really the Nets organization really only looks at what they do here and, you know, that Jackie McMullen story came out early in the year and, you know, was done in the, you know, she, they were talking about his mood in the, in the preseason. And I, the one thing I could tell you that I remember from the China trip, he was not, remember he had that, uh, that facial lacerate, uh, what was it? The facial injury. Yeah. Uh, and he had that mask. The mask didn't fit him properly at the start of that game against the Lakers, the first game that he played and you, before he got hit 
45 seconds in. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look you know, before tip-off, he had difficulties fitting that, and then he got hurt right after. So maybe that had something to do with his mood, you know, in in China. And I can't speak about, you know, taking off his hat for a team picture or anything like that. And, you know, I think all they really care about is, is this guy going to work to get back on the court? And when he's on the court, is he going to play the right way? And so far he has, you know, when he's been on the court. You know, the last two games he played, again, really damaged his stats. He was shooting great, scoring a ton. The Nets offense, when he was on the court, was like a you know a top five offense in the league. Yeah, I think it was, it was second. Yeah, it, it was yeah, and it was off. You know, they were the worst offensive team in the league. So he had a positive impact on the team when he was playing. And, and like I said, everyone you talk to, they all think that this stuff about Kyrie is all nonsense. Yeah. Okay, and um, what what is your take on um, the Nets' potential uh, third star, Karis LeVert? So, uh, Bill and I have have disagreements about him and where we think he's going to go or where he where he might uh, end up in terms of um, his ceiling. Um, do you feel like you know Karis LeVert still you know is likely to be at least an All Star? Um, or do you feel like basically what we see is what we get? We see we have a pretty oft injured uh, player who you know is um, you know has good games from time to time, but is but is probably not going to be that that third um, third star that we need. Well, there's a couple of things in there. Number one is the injuries, and if you look around the league, injuries are just killing it. You know, Steph Curry is out for the year now. I mean, when was he ever hurt? Uh, so, and if he gets hurt again next year, are people going to worry about him? Say he's injury prone. You don't want Steph Curry. So uh, the injuries are just so fluky in this league. I think you really just have to discount it. I mean, Karis LeVert got hit on the thumb. Uh, you know, he, in the past, you know, he, he had a very hard crash and, you know, had that, uh, what was it? The subluxation of the ankle last year where he missed more than half the year. So I don't, I don't want to say that he, you know, injuries, he's any more prone to injury than anybody else. He's had worse luck. So that's, that's one point, but you do make a good point about whether or not he's good enough to be a quote unquote third star. And I've talked about that, you know, on my podcast a lot earlier and it, it's difficult for me to see how he would be the quote unquote third wheel. Cause when you look at, you know, the big threes of history, whether it was, you know, like a Ray Allen or Chris Bosch or Kevin Love, those guys are like finishers. They weren't guys that, you know, I so much. And when you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, they're one A and one B <coughs> and Karis Levert, you know, isn't at that level. And I don't know if he'll ever be. So does he fit in as the guy, you know, who's standing in the corner or standing on the perimeter and waiting for the ball to come to him. And I don't know that he is. Now, there is a possibility that Kevin Durant isn't who he is anymore either. And he becomes that third guy, you know, who could still score 20 points a game, you know, as the recipient as opposed to the initiator. 
So in that case, you know, Kyrie, Karras, Spencer Dinwiddie, you can never have enough of those kind of creators off the dribble because we see now what happens. We we're watching Garrett Temple go one on one, and it's it's brutal. Or Theo so, Pinson, even worse. Uh, yes, exactly. So uh, in that regard, you know, it depends on how Kevin Durant comes back. If he comes back in a similar fashion where, you know, you just want to give him the ball and let him work, then, you know, what is Karis LeVert going to do? You know, if the ball pops out to him, he's a very streaky shooter. You know, if there, there are stretches where he's a 40% shooter and there are stretches where he's a 20% shooter. So, you know, I think his average is around 33%, and that's just not good enough for, you know, the quote-unquote third, third star of a big three. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. His shooting is, is really an issue, and I, I was hoping at least at the beginning of the season before his seemingly um, inevitable injury that he, uh, that he showed a little more on that front. Um, that said, Zach Lowe and others have strongly suggested that the Nets could be a team uh, in a in a position to make a big blockbuster trade this season. Why? Uh, Why would they make a trade this season when Kev- they don't know what they are without Kevin Durant? No, that's a, that's a great point. So do you think I, you, you I don't mean, think they, it's going to happen? If you told me that Kevin Durant was coming back in March and they knew what they were getting with Kevin Durant, then maybe, you know, in February they do a little tweak. Not mm-hmm. necessarily a blockbuster, but they, you know, maybe they pick up, you know, someone on the buyout market, you know, someone, you know, another shooter, you know, they could never have enough shooting. Yeah. So, so you don't think that there's, that a trade is likely this season just because of the uncertainty of KD? Well, I don't think there is any urgency to it either. I mean, I don't think they're looking at this year as saying we're going to go for it now. Yeah, I, I guess this, I this think. This is a. This is a development year, and we're going to see what we have, see who who can play alongside our stars, and then next year, you know, at the beginning of next year, they continue that, and then they'll, you know, after December 15th when, you know, those free agents and guys who have moved are eligible to be traded, then you might see some moves. Right. I think I think the logic behind Zach Lowe and others saying that was just that we have some youngish guys who are on really good contracts and thus would be able to make a big trade. But um, I think that'll still be the case next year. Uh, the only player that is a free agent after this season, uh, you know, the only key player, I believe, that is a free agent is Joe Harris. And I, I'd imagine they're going to re-sign him. Joe seems to really like it here. So if they give him a uh, a reasonable offer, you know, I think he's making $8 million now, which is a joke. You know, he could probably earn twice that. If they come close, uh, you know, then he sticks around and they'll have, a, like, I, like you said, they'll have a bunch of guys. They'll have picks. They'll have some young guys like the Mooses and the Claxtons to, to dangle as well. And then then they could try to go for it, quote unquote. Could I, could I uh, you mentioned Musa and Claxton. Um, either of them excite you thus far this season? Uh, Claxton a little more than Musa. Um, to me, Musa right now, again, looks like a G League player who's trying to do his best in, in the NBA. But, you know, his, his flaws 
get exposed. You know, he's not the most athletic. You know, he has he you know he he has a great motor and he loves to be aggressive, but you know his finishing ability just isn't there yet. So maybe if he continues to work on that, then he becomes someone who's more valuable. Claxton, you know, he, he has that those quick feet, you know, for someone his size, and you know, like I, I read somewhere that you know he has Chris Bosh potential, you know, if he ever develops a shot, uh, you know, a consistent shot. I mean, I know he shot it a lot at Georgia. Uh, what was it, Georgia? Yeah, yeah. Georgia. Right. So I know he shot it a lot there and he's taken, I think five this year and you know, he's still, you know, I didn't see the end of last night's game, but I still believe he's the only net without a turnover this year and he's handled the bulk some a little bit. So I think, you know, he has, he has more potential to be helpful to where the nets want to go than Musa does. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um, I am curious what you think. I know you've mentioned um, in 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 your podcast some of the the softness of uh, of this team um, with players like Torian Prince losing people like Ed Davis, Damari Carroll. Uh, I have basically for years now been advocating that the the Nets basically need a goon, maybe two or three. Um, do you have any sense of you know I, I'm talking about players you like want a Mar- Reggie Evans back. <laughs> Maybe not Reggie Evans, uh, but just somebody who is like who will actually be, uh, you know, tough out there, who can go after the stars of the other team, can make life miserable um, for for other players uh, um, defensively and are not just like miserable on the offensive end because we have like the Nwabas. Um, you know, and the the Shumperts who are OK at D, but they're just so bad at offense. Yeah, well, I think, you know, DeAndre Jordan should have been kind of like that guy. I mean, he was brought in because MB just manhandled Jared Allen last year. And uh, I think that left a sour taste in Sean Marks' mouth. Uh, So I think DeAndre Jordan would be the closest to that. But again, the Nets are just generally undersized. You know, they're not going to pick fights with anybody. And, and, teams that really want to like you saw with the Pacers they can they can bully the Nets you know and when wait till the you know that's really haven't played a whole bunch of teams with size you know they got Philly four times and Toronto four times Milwaukee three times you know they're you know they haven't played the Lakers or the Clippers you know with those guys you know are big team those teams are big teams and I think the Nets will will have difficulties uh, you know, in that area because they don't generally have the size or toughness. Yeah. Do you, do you have anyone in mind that you would love to see the Nets get in this sort of goon uh, archetype? <laughs> uh, not at the moment. Again, you'd probably want to wait till the uh, buyout market, you know, clears itself out in, in after the trade deadline. Uh, uh, you know, remember nobody's doing any trades till December 15th because I think 40% of the league, isn't tradable because of the rules with uh, signing with new teams. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see about that. I don't have anyone in particular who I think I used to think last year that they should have had gone after Bobby Portis, but uh, we see on the Knicks that he's not all that tough either. Yeah. Uh, another guy who's fallen out of the rotation, Rody. 
any any idea what's going on on that front? Well, again, this is conjecture. I don't know, but maybe there's a couple of possibilities. Let's put it that way. Number one, the off the court issues stemming from his arrest and the court cases that keeps getting delayed. You know, that could be a distraction. I don't know that it is. Number two, he could have gotten some sense of complacency because he did, you know, play a ton last year after not playing a whole bunch in Europe. And, you know, he he thought maybe coming into this year with Wilson Chandler suspended, no Jared Dudley, no Rondé Hollis Jefferson, not even Trevion Graham. He thought maybe he, you know, he was, he, he was set, you know, because who else were they going to turn to? So, you know, again, that's a possibility. But we, what we do know is that, A, he's not playing with the same energy that he did when he first came up, when he, everyone thought he was a G League player, and, you know, he, he was able to guard one through five and make cha- game-changing plays on defense, hit a few threes on offense. And this year, he, he's, he's not shooting it well. Every time he puts the ball on the floor, he turns it over or takes a terrible shot. So, you know, his benching was warranted. Uh, you know, he's playing now in the G League more often. And, you know, he doesn't even he didn't even dress last night. Yeah. Do you um, speaking of uh, changes from from last year to this year, you know, uh, previously, you know, for the last several years, it's been all about development. Um, getting young players to to overachieve and and getting scrap heap players to become useful rotation pieces now um, you know and especially next year but but even this year it's really about winning um, and you on 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 your podcast have talked about you know your your continued frustrations with with Kenny in, in terms of uh, the things you have to do to, to actually win games. Do you see him finishing out this year as coach? Do you think there's any is he in any danger this year? Uh, you know, barring some unusual event, he he will he should be finishing out this year. Look, I'm you know I I always try to be fair with Kenny Atkinson. Um, there are things that he did and does that I disagree with, but I can give you an example. I. I've been really impressed with the way he's mixing up defenses in recent games. I, I meant I talked to Jared Allen uh, before the game on Monday night against uh, who did they play on Monday? Goodness, Pacers. Uh, pa- no, the Hornets on Wednesday. Monday was Pacers. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, yes, it was definitely Pacers. Sorry. That's anyway, uh, they they have this new uh, pick and roll <clears throat> defense where they. You know, they, I guess, uh, ice the ball handler, no, you know, try to keep him out of the middle. And that worked really well in Chicago for a few possessions. And I saw that they did it last night uh, more against Sacramento and a little bit against Charlotte. So that that's something new. Jared Allen said that was new for this season. Um, it's not the same. We're going to drop. And you can see that when they, when other teams, are in the last five seconds of the shot clock, and then they start doing a pick and roll, then they'll switch, which makes it a lot harder for them to get an open look late in the shot clock. You don't want to do that. You want to, you want to finish out the possession. So they're, they're mixing up things a lot more 
uh, which is, you know, something that's a positive for Kenny. I think that he's definitely willing to learn. And but, you know, we all get frustrated, you know, with certain rotation choices or in my case, I always think that he waits too long. He trusts the guys and should call timeouts two or three possessions before, you know, a six to two run becomes a 12 to two run and then becomes an 18 to two run. You know, those are the things that have killed the team in the past. So you asked if I think he's going to, you know, if, if they continue on this path where it's win one, lose one, maybe a little below 500, we know without all their guys, I don't think they're going to, I don't think Kenny's job is in any jeopardy. Hmm. Um, so I want to switch directions here towards the end of our, of our talk. Uh, something I just, I find extremely strange and, and haven't heard that much about, but it was the <clears throat> resignation question mark of David Levy. Um, it's pretty uncommon that a CEO of any organization, um, and I think pretty unique, definitely in the NBA, lasts less than two months. Uh, what does that say about the Joseph Psy Nets? What does it say about the organization? What's, what's going on with that? Do you know? Well, nobody has written anything <clears throat> about it other than saying that it, what you just said, that it's strange. But there is, you know, this guy is, is a well-known executive and i just think that it was he came into the organization and this was his first job in with an nba team so i think maybe it just wasn't what he was hoping it would be um i don't know where he went ended up being you know if he hasn't if he has since taken another job but you know with his qualifications i imagine it wouldn't be that long before he finds something that he really likes. Um, I don't know that it says anything about Joseph Tsai. I think all Nets fans care about is he's willing to spend and he stays out of Sean Marks's way. And so far he, he has done that. You know, I don't think any Nets fan could be upset at all about what the Nets did this off season in terms of spending and bringing in quality players. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else? Okay. Um, well, with that, thank you so much, um, Steve, for, for joining us. And, uh, again, uh, please check him out, uh, WFAN. Um, he has the City Game podcast. He has his uh, weekly columns and also on Twitter. Um, thank you so much, uh, Steve, again um, for, for coming on. Well, thank you, guys. Good luck and uh, hope to see you the rest of the year. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you at the game. See you, Steve. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. And we're back, folks. That was our interview with Steve Lichtenstein. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Simon, how was it for you? It was great. Uh, As usual, Steve really brought it. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think think his insights are always uh, useful. Couldn't agree more. He's one of the uh, few things about uh, Nets media that I still uh, regularly look at and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have even sort of stopped... following the glue guys as closely. Hmm. Well, they're they're coming out with content quite regularly. Yeah. 
maybe it's too frequent for me. Mm. But uh, anyway, it's always yeah. It's great to hear from him. Uh, I I particularly enjoyed his comments on or his speculations about the different reasons why Rhodey um, mm-hmm. may not be in, and uh, complacency very much could be could be king with yeah. Rhodey this season. Um, and I and I really do hope that turns around because he was such an important spark plug last season, and you can tell this team is very much in need of a spark plug. Yeah. Um, Simon, <clears throat> because we haven't gotten to it yet, and because it is a staple of this podcast, <laughs> do you think we should go to some sort of corner together? Yeah, why don't we go to Katie's corner? To Katie's corner. <laughs> uh, Simon sent me, as he so often does, <laughs> a tweet he wanted to talk about in Katie's corner. Simon, set up this tweet for us. Yeah, it is... A tweet that, uh, near as I could tell, went relatively vi. Um, uh, it um, is a, a picture just after Joe Harris shot the basically game-clinching three-pointer against the Charlotte Hornets uh, on Wednesday. Um, he, it, it's, a, it's a picture of Kyrie Irving, Theo Pinson, a little bit Iman Shumpert, uh, dancing, doing the, the Theo Pinson dance, and then you can see uh, Kevin Durant, who, let's remember folks, can't hop uh, at this point. Um, he's sort of like shimmying, and he, he's got, he, he does his own like dance move, clearly, clearly in the spirit, clearly in the mood, if not as uh, mobile uh, ready to, to do the, the full-on um, Theo Pinson dance. So that was that was nice to see. Uh, Kyrie was not uh, shoving Theo Pinson into place defensively. He was <laughs> dancing alongside him, and uh, Kevin Durant was was enjoying himself. Um, so I was so I was you know that was heartwarming. What right. Did you think? Implications are they are totally bought in. They love this <laughs> team. They uh, have zero regrets. <laughs> um, about the move in spite of what was a truly embarrassing loss to the Indiana Pacers, to an injury-ridden Indiana Pacers, I might add, on Monday night. We have, however, we, uh, the Nets, have redeemed themselves uh, the last two games by spanking yeah, the Charlotte Hornets and the Kings, also an injury depleted Kings. Um, both of those teams uh, show you just how bad a team can be in the <laughs> NBA, and those are the exact types of games we need to win. Yeah, and we did. So um, while not necessarily cause for celebration, you can take some comfort in knowing that your team can beat bad teams. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because we. I mean, you never know with any Nets team. I thought maybe this year would be the first year we could mail it in against at least some right. opponents. Right. I said we were guaranteed to beat the Grizzlies earlier this season. Um, we did not. Right. So we're still definitely not there. But, yes, if we try pretty hard, we can beat bad teams. <laughs> right. Um so anyway, another hopeful Katie is corner. He's moving. He's bought in. He loves Brooklyn, and he's going to be 100% healthy when he gets back, <laughs> um, breaking all precedent with this injury and uh, fulfilling all of our dreams and expectations. Yes. Okay. Uh, stat station, quick stop. Choo-choo. <laughs> 
Uh, I read a couple interesting Kyrie stats. Brooklyn scores 9.9 more points per 100 possessions in Irving's minutes, going from a level of offensive efficiency that would rank second in the NBA with him on the court to one that would place them in dead last with him sitting, Uh, which ain't good because it sounds like he is going to be sitting for quite some time. Yes, uh, missing our road trip uh, is the latest news coming hot off the presses today. So he will not be playing against the Knicks, against the uh, Cavaliers. Cavaliers, and um, even more scary, the Boston Celtics. Yes. So I mean, it's. I doubt he even goes to that game because that is going to be a hostile environment right, for, right. for Kyrie to uh, walk into. Yeah, so that's very worrying. Do you think it could have anything to do with, like, this is a reasonable reason why, a reasonable reason, why Kyrie doesn't have to go face the Boston uh, ire? Mm, that is um, that is speculation out there. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that is. Um, Steve, speaking of Steve Lichtenstein, actually tweeted that he thinks that's ridiculous uh, because he, you know, if you watch him, sh- if you saw him shoot in the last couple of games that he actually played, it's clear that he really is hurting. Um, the sort of team take on this, again, I think we're heading into some seriously troubling uh Kyrie Irving injury uh, depths here, so I'm not saying I agree with this, but the the team rationale is that they want to see him practice before he plays, mm-hmm. and there's not going to be really any time for practice on this on this road trip. Um, though they, yeah. So anyway, so so that's like the sort of stated reason. It is just so worrying to me that he's being ruled out. So so much like it's worse and worse as we as we talked about. Not only is it like it went from questionable up until game time to like ruled out the day before. Now it's ruled out three games before they've even gone on this road trip. So right, and uh, a friend of the podcast uh, text uh, or tweeted at us wondering who would be back first, Karis LeVert or Kyrie Irving. Uh, At the time, it seemed like a joke, and it is becoming more and more real (laughs) as the um, length that Kyrie is stated to be out continues to expand. Yes. Uh, Worrisome. Another stat from StatStation, re-Kyrie, and these are both taken from uh, Alex Schiff's reporting for The Athletic. Um... Isolations account for 9.2% of the Nets' total offensive possessions this season, according to Synergy Sports, a higher share than any team besides the Harden-led Rockets in 2018 and 19. Yeah. These are historic numbers for isolation score. And we shoot terribly out of them, right? Yeah. Like, we're like 35% or something out of isolations. It's because of what Steve was talking about, in part at least. Uh, that we have Garrett Temple isoing right now. We have like <laughs> so many. Torian Prince is not a one-on-one player. Right. Uh, these are just not Theo good. Pinson. Right. Right. These are not good iso players. Um, keeping it Kyrie, and we mentioned this with Steve and um, 
he is pretty dismissive of it. Stephen A. Smith, Simon, what the heck is that guy talking about? So Stephen A. said in classic Stephen A. Smith fashion a very vague, um, oddly phrased um, thing on a first take that was something like, he's not hearing good things about Kyrie in Brooklyn, hearing about his moods, about his attitude, and he says, Stephen A. says that he doesn't think it's fair, and he doesn't know if it's accurate, but he's hearing these things. Um, so, I just, you know, I am not, I don't actually agree with Steve on on, on this. I just think there's so much smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just with the Nets, but with the other previous teams he's played with. There's got to be smoke. There's also him sh- throwing uh, Musa. So... I think there's definitely, like, I just do not believe that he's actually a good teammate and that, weirdly, there's all these things about him. But I do think, here, here's my take, and maybe I've said this before, but my hope is that Kyrie is, like, the office mate, the, the person that you that you work with, that you're, like, if you're assigned to work with them, say, you're, like, oh, like, that's... That's going to be a, a hassle. But you're not like, oh, my God, I need to quit now. Like, I will, you know, and, and, like, the office still functions. The work still gets done. The things still happen. You're not exactly going out for a drink with this guy after after work. Um, and you're, like, thankful, you know, when you're, like, home, you know, some days. And you're like, man, that was that stunk, like, having to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not catastrophic. That's my hope. Okay. All right. Uh, some optimism, some rare optimism from Simon McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not awful, folks. <laughs> Pretty bad, but not awful. Um, okay, I don't think I have a whole lot else to talk about right now. Do you? I, w- I would just. Stuff? I, w- I want to just one. One thing is that I. <sighs> After these 15 games of Nets basketball, we've seen some good Torian Prince, and we've seen some, like, games where we're like, oh, my God, you know, what are the Hawks thinking? You know, this guy is a steal. Of course he's worth, you know, an extension. Um, you know, he's a, he's going to be our defensive stopper. He's going to be our three-point marksman. He can play the three. He can play the four. But we've also seen some games where he really stinks. Last game was another one where he stinks. He seems to have, like, when he's, when he's shooting well, like, he's also rebounding. Mm-hmm. He's also at least trying on defense. I really don't know how we thought he was going to be a defensive stopper. He's certainly not a defensive stopper right now. He is young, but... He's not a defensive stopper right now, but he can at least try on defense, can can stop people from time to time. Um, but in games where he's not shooting, he doesn't try on defense. He doesn't get rebounds, and he turned the ball over like crazy last game too. So that's another wrinkle of his bad games mm-hmm. is like bad shooting, bad turnovers, bad defense, bad rebounding. Um, so I think he's at best inconsistent, and I I think the jury is very much still out on whether he was like a great acquisition for this Nets team. Um, we're playing, as we mentioned, the Knicks, the Cavs, and then the Celtics two times on yeah. Wednesday and then on Friday. Uh, I I think we gotta be hopeful with those first two games and those second two games. Do you think we have a shot at Boston? Um, <laughs> if Kyrie plays on Friday, maybe. Uh, I definitely do. I mean, it would be quite surprising 
to see them win on on Wednesday. It would be it's quite surprising to see them win on Friday, even if Kyrie plays. But but no, with the talent level that we have, I I think it's going to be very tough. Although maybe Kimba will be out. That would be helpful. Why is he injured? Yeah, he had a uh, he was he. They thought it could have been like a neck like fracture or something very oh serious, God. but it seems like it's just um, a concussion. But you know, a concussion takes some time to heal. <laughs> Can never be too careful with those things. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I will be at the game on Friday. I think Simon, you will be somewhere in Maine. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Unfortunately. Um, all right. Well, it is a noon. Start uh, tip off so yeah. an early game on Friday. Uh, if you're at the stadium, look in section 114 for a person sitting very much by himself. I don't think I, uh, any of not James. I don't think so. No, he doesn't have tickets to it. Oh boy. Um, Sorry about that. It's all good. It's all good. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. Send in your questions, comments. Two places, Simon. Places where? Uh, send in your question, comments, thoughts, and get all your updates uh, at Maybe Next Time on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Also, send your questions, especially, you know, if you, if you find email is a more um, useful tool to be on, on that, and we'd love to hear your questions, comments, maybe next time at gmail.com. Right. We want to be where you're most comfortable online, which yeah. is why we have a proliferation of channels. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, open 24 hours a day for your convenience, ready, waiting to hear from you. Yes. Uh, Simon, outside of Nets Nation, how about in our great nation, what do you think about what's going on? Um, with the impeachment hearings. <laughs> the impeachment hearings. <laughs> Just for some light banter. Where can people follow us? <laughs> and what are your thoughts on the impeachment hearings? Uh, well, Bill, my mom, my mom is claiming that that she can she she we're days away from a Pelosi presidency. Uh huh. <laughs> I do not agree. I feel like what started as a very like I, I initially I was like okay this is at least better than the Russia thing in that one it does seem like very clear like right. the dude is doing some shady happened, shit yes. for sure two it's very simple like he got on the phone had a quid pro quo thing with the guy like that's easy for people to understand now there's like 10 witnesses a day it's like there was a phone call with this and this guy overheard that and what about like this lady says that she was pressured to, like there's so many players it's it's incredibly confusing if anyone is trying to follow it um i myself as someone who considers you know i I, i'm reading the news here i would say i read about three articles a day on impeachment i am pretty unsure exactly what all these people (laughs) are saying when it gets to the nitty-gritty and i feel like it's muddying the like very simple like here's why he did this bad thing um, and also, yes, it and you know many podcasts that probably people are listening to if they really want an educated take on this have said. <laughs> um, there's a lot of other stuff that you can get on Trump about that is much worse, and also things that you can actually try at least to do something about. This is something that completely reduces people to spectators. We have no control over it. It's all up to these like uh, intelligence community uh, mm-hmm. higher ups to like do their convincing of congressional um, leaders Mm -hmm. who uh, just, we have no uh, 
power over or any uh, way to influence in them. So, right. um, you know, we're just sort of watching or not watching or confused. Yeah, apparently confused. people are tuning out. Ratings, did you hear the Ryan Grimm interview? He was saying ratings are worse than for the for the Mueller testimony and the uh, Michael Cohen testimony. Right. So people are, there's just some fatigue. I mean, I think it's it just seems like, you know, you, you, people have, have sort of chosen their sides and nothing is going to change those two sides. There is absolutely a gaping gulf between them and and no matter how much uh, NPR wants people to uh, collectively rise up against Trump it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen yes uh, that said this is a Brooklyn Nets podcast <laughs> and we are really happy you stuck with us to this point one final thanks to Steve Lichtenstein. Yeah, absolutely. Great talking to him. Uh, hopefully we have some more guests on throughout the season. Uh, let us know if there's someone in Nets Nation you think we should be talking to. Um, also, if you or someone you love is a representative at Bud Light Lime, yeah. uh, please put us in <laughs> touch. We are desperately seeking sponsorship. Yeah. And, and what are their thoughts on impeachment? And what do they think? Most importantly... Where do they stand on impeachment? Uh, live from Brooklyn, New York, this is Simon and William. We are checking out. We are going to go ahead and see ya next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. She lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read